Are you ready for Christmas? Yeah. Olive is ready for Christmas. It's so funny. Uh, in this season, you know we've been in a series of messages that we've entitled, Ready for Christmas? Asking the question, stating the fact, whatever it is, however you interpret it. Ready for Christmas. It's so funny how often I've been, I, I, I joked about not being at Walmart today. I feel like I've been to Walmart 72 times in the last seven days. Anybody else? You get home with one thing and you're like, oh, I finally got, oh, I need to go back. Does anybody do that? Does anybody check to see if you can get it here in two days instead of driving to Walmart from your house? Okay, good. I'm among good, good family. If you can make it happen, if it can come in the mail, it's worth not driving back over there again. It's funny. Walmart, lots of conversations, lots of interactions with some of you, some uh, people from uh, other parts of my community involvement. And it's so interesting how often the ask of, are you ready for Christmas, happens in common language around now. I, I've honestly, I, I've, I've really debated whether just to switch it up this season and ask people if they're ready for Hanukkah, just to see what happens. Because it's so common of a conversation that as we interact with people, hey, uh, how you doing? It's good to see you. I see you're buying some gifts. Uh, yeah, are you ready for Christmas, right? It's the, it's the number one ask around this season. And truly, as we come into context in our spiritual understanding of what Christmas is truly all about, Emmanuel, God with us. We are having the conversation again together as a church this season, inviting us to remember what it means to be ready for Christmas. This morning, the series continues in the idea of being ready to meet Jesus. Specifically, as we look, as we approach the, uh, the context of Joseph's part of the story at Christmas. Joseph is a unique character in the Bible story of Jesus being born. Joseph is kind of an anomaly. We don't have a lot of information. Uh, in, in fact, I wish there was more information when it comes to Joseph. He's kind of one of those curious characters in the Christmas story. What we do know is uh, more than likely Joseph had a background in understanding what uh, Jewish tradition held. He probably knew the uh, prophetic notices of a Messiah that was to come. He wouldn't have been confused by this truth of Messiah being born. Coming from God to save God's people. But one of the uniquenesses about Joseph's story is he kind of drops off the scene after Jesus is just a young boy in Scripture. The last we have reference of Joseph is in uh, Luke chapter 2, and we have a lot more questions and answers about who he is and what he did and where he went and how involved was he. There's some tradition in Christian uh, history that says Joseph likely passed away before Jesus' earthly ministry began, but we don't have that for sure. What we do have, uh, specifically this morning in Matthew's gospel that we're going to look at is important for us to look at. As we ask this question of, are we ready to meet Jesus? Let's look together at Joseph's story. Let's look and see how Joseph followed through on some things. And let's ask ourselves if we too are ready to meet Jesus. Look, look with me at Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 18 this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. God's word says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before their marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. 
As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your living and active word. Thank you for these pages of scripture, this portion of the narrative of the story of the first Christmas. And I thank you this morning for Joseph and the little that we know about his story and how, Lord, it impacts our lives here today. I pray, God, that you would use these moments to convict our hearts, to challenge us, and remind us to be ready to meet Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Matthew, the opening verses of Matthew chapter 1, Matthew is our uh, New Testament genealogist. He gives us the rundown of uh, where it is Jesus is coming from, his lineage. And then we get to verse 18 and we get this portion uh, of of the story. And Matthew's gospel really uh, takes a look at the the reminder of the correlation between Jesus' birth and how all of the attempts in all of this church history reminder, the, the attempts to thwart God's plan didn't follow through. That God's plan held true. And although you and I, we together this morning, may not be able to comprehend God's ultimate actions, His plan, we can't uh, necessarily put it into motion ourselves. And although Mary and Joseph in their part of the story may have experienced the shifty eyes of people looking at their story and wondering, having questions, today, here and now, we must appreciate God's miraculous work in their lives. Both Mary and Joseph, as they followed through with God's instruction, God's guidance, as they said yes, and we're ready to meet Jesus. The questions that arise for us together today that we must reflect on, one of them specifically, is whether we can follow through with God's instructions for our lives, God's way, God's plan for you and for me. Are we ready to meet with Jesus and surrender to Him? I want to present to you this morning that to be ready to meet Jesus, to be in relationship with Him, there are some things we must affirm and acknowledge as followers of Christ. The first is this, God's way. As we look at Joseph's story, God's way is not always our way. The first two verses we read this morning again say this, Matthew chapter 1, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother was engaged to be married, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided, his plan, his decision was to break the engagement quietly. His plan, 
I, I love that we have this portion of the story. I love that we have this peek into Joseph's plan. It really sets up the miraculous in this story. I think we should agree together that Joseph had every right in this moment, in the reality he was given, in his best laid plans. He was choosing to do what he thought was the righteous thing. He had every right according to the tradition he was raised in. Mary was pledged, she was promised to be his wife. Commentators say this, the custom of pledging or engagement was scripture, uh, in Scripture times was different than engagement today in our society. Customarily, the parents of a young man would choose a young woman to be engaged to their son. And a second stage of this engagement involved official arrangement, a prenuptial agreement before witnesses, which was literally a legally binding contract between these two families. Only could be broken by the formal process of divorce. It's in this reality that we have this narrative of Joseph on the scene. Joseph, a man, a carpenter by trade, Following along with his plans to be married to his beautiful bride, all the traditions and customs of his day, and Mary is discovered to be pregnant. Joseph is no dummy in this moment. This engaged couple, Mary goes away to visit her family and comes home with a baby bump. He knows what's going on here. He knows how this sort of thing happens. He's no idiot. And so he does what he thinks is right. He begins to make arrangements to do not just what he could have done. Literally, the, the process of the messianic law would be for Joseph to have allowed Mary to be put on trial in this process and literally to be stoned to death for what no-brainer she had done during their engagement. But Joseph, in his righteousness, and his desire, in what I hope and think is his love for his bride-to-be, chooses an even higher path and says, you know what, I know what's taking place here, and I'm just going to do away with her privately, quietly, let her go on with her life, and I'll go on with mine. Even though his wife-to-be seemed to be an adulteress. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the tensions that existed in their relationship in this moment? Oh, I don't think we can fully imagine it. Maybe we could ask the Hallmark Channel to put together a great narrative for this to exist in, or we could try to write the script, but I don't think we have enough information in Scripture for us to fully extend our understanding of what was going on in these moments. Imagine Mary trying to defend herself to her engaged to be married to husband, saying, no, 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 I didn't do anything. This is the Holy Spirit. Imagine husbands getting that line. Imagine the, the stress involved in wanting to believe and wanting to take her for the truth. Mary returns in this moment. Joseph knows what's going on. What should have been a joyous occasion, what they probably had planned and talked about, eventually settling down and having a family together long after their marriage. What should have been a joyous occasion 
is now marred by apparent sin and confusion and questions and lies. This is not the way Mary or Joseph had planned things. This is not the story they were writing for their own relationship or their eventual family legacy. And it reminds us today that God's way is not always our way. We understand theologically as we look in hindsight and understanding of what had to take place. We understand the virgin birth to be integral to our faith. Jesus had to be free from the sinful nature that was passed on to all of us human beings by Adam. But because Jesus was born of a woman, he was fully human. But as the Son of God, Jesus was born without any trace of sin. And we love this fact. We love uh, the wonder and the, uh, the, the mystery involved in this theological truth that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And when we figure that out, please come, when someone figures all of that out and all the intricacies and exactly how all of that is true, uh, please come and tell your pastor. <laughs> it's a wonderful mystery of our faith and we stand firm on it, agreeing together, Jesus fully God and fully man. And what that means for us today, Hebrews chapter 4 reminds us of this truth. The high priest, Jesus, this high priest of ours, understands our weakness. For he, Jesus, faced all of the same testings we do because he was fully man, yet he did not sin. So let us, we are encouraged in our faith, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. Because Jesus is fully man, we know he is not simply pedestaled somewhere and that we cannot do as he did. But because he's also fully God, he has the power and authority. We believe this in our bones. The power and authority to deliver us from sin. Paul says this to Colossians in this way. Chapter 2, verse 13. You, you Christians, you were dead because of your sins, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then... God made you alive. He made you new with Christ Jesus. For He forgave all our sins. Verse 14, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. Jesus, fully man and fully God. Today, 2019, Mere days away from 2020, we should be reveling in the joy that comes from Emmanuel. God in flesh dwelt among man. And even though this must have confused and caused pain and confusion in this relationship in the lives of Joseph and Mary, what they went through with, what Joseph goes through with in just a moment as the narrative continues is a true understanding of what it means to be ready to meet Jesus. The second thing we must affirm as followers of Christ is that God's way is a saving way. God's way saves. Again, Joseph knows the facts and figures of what's going on. He's no dummy. So after he had realized what's going on here, as he's considering this, Scripture says, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. I love it. The angel continues. She will have a son. You're to name him Jesus. 
for he will save his people from their sins. We must be thankful for this part of the story. Just as an angel appeared to Mary and gave her the message of what would take place, so does an angel of the Lord appear here to Joseph and speak these words of assurance. What this angel speaks specifically to Joseph is that this child will be named Jesus, which means the Lord saves. These instructions, this pathway of God, this way that God would be doing His will in their life results in salvation. Not destruction, not divorce, not harm, not hurt. Jesus always saves and brings life. It's Satan. It's the enemy. It's the ruler of this world who kills, steals, and destroys. Let's be remembered or reminded this way. When you and I face a decision, if we had seen all of the facts and figures of this moment, if we had tried to debate and judge exactly what's going on in this moment, I think we would have a similar response to Joseph, putting these plans into motion, maybe better or worse, I don't know. But when we're faced with tough decisions, when we think we know all of the information as best as we can, one of the instant questions we ask ourselves is the what if question. Just before we make a decision, we ask the what if. What if I choose the wrong direction? What if I make the wrong choice? What if, it, well, what if I'm not hearing God's voice in this moment? And what if I fail in this decision? In order for us to make good decisions... Our response must be to lay the worries that we have, the what-ifs, at the promise of God first. The promise of God that He cares for us, that He watches over us, that He promises to be with and guide us and comfort, be our strength and our joy. Again, Joseph comes to the best decision that he could in these moments to divorce his betrothed wife quietly. But God had another plan and He made them abundantly clear. I have said it before, just in the last couple of weeks. I wish, I wish that I could say to you, God appeared to me in an angelic way, in a messenger who appeared to me. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened in that way, but I stand before you as one who has confirmed again and again that God has called me to unique decisions in my personal life, in my family's life, and has confirmed that through His still, small voice. He's confirmed that through brothers and sisters in Christ coming along and counseling me and giving me wisdom. He has confirmed that through His living Word on what He is asking me to do with my life of service to Him. Let me remind you, God is with us and His way saves. His presence saves he does not seek to destroy or tear up. He's here to complete us and make us new. Third thing we need to affirm together is that God's ways, God's way has God's presence in the story of Joseph. The Old Testament scripture from Isaiah in verse 23 of our scripture says this again. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is what we celebrate so often and easily in our words together. God gave us Jesus 
And the reminder of who He is is God in flesh. God in human form. God physically present with us. Not distant. Not away on vacation. God chooses to be in relationship with us. God's plan, His way, His instructions are full of His presence. There should be no doubt He was with Mary and Joseph in their story. He is with you and me in ours. His presence should bring us great joy. Even when God's plan, God's will, God's instructions don't line up necessarily with what is normal around us. As with the story of Mary and Joseph, we should affirm and acknowledge that as we experience God's perfectly, wonderfully, mysterious way, we are experiencing the beauty of testifying about it to your friends and your family. We are experiencing God with us. As we sense His direction in our life, we are acknowledging God is with us. He is not away. He is not unapproachable. He has made Himself available for relationship with humanity through Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. The book of Deuteronomy reminds us to be strong and courageous Scripture says the Lord goes with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. There are stories in this audience this morning of even in the valley of the shadow of death, God's presence being felt in a way that is undescribable in human terms. God's way is full of God's presence. Are you thankful for His Holy Spirit today? walks with you, guides you, speaks in his still small voice. Fourth and finally, maybe most difficult. In the story of Joseph, it's very real. In our story, it is as well. God's way requires risk and sacrifice. I don't know about you, but verse 24 in Matthew chapter 1 sticks out to me in those first couple of verses. What's taking place in this moment, apparently in Scripture it's revealed this way, that uh, Joseph is being approached by an angel, a messenger of the Lord in a dream. And verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Can I just be honest with you this morning? If this was a story about Stephen, your pastor, uh, guess what would happen? I don't know. Do you guys have weird dreams? I have, I have some weird dreams. I can't tell you about all my weird dreams because you'd kick me out. I have some weird dreams. If this was my story, when Stephen woke up, if Scripture was revealed about me, when Stephen woke up, he asked for a second opinion. When Stephen woke up, he asked aloud, what did I eat last night? When Stephen woke up, he would say to his wife, I need to get more sleep. Something's not right. What we have here in Scripture is Joseph responding to this and angel's message. He knew the story that God was revealing to him. He knew the way of the Lord before him. And so he does as the angel of the Lord commands. And he goes through with the marriage. He goes through with these next steps of this engagement and marriage. Joseph takes a risk. 
Joseph sacrifices a lot here. I've talked about risk from the pulpit before. I've talked about risk in some conversations with some of you in my office before. I talk about risk a lot. Uh, it's just a conversation in, in our culture. How often we are prone to uh, uh, finding ways to minimize risk. It, it, it's a common conversation in much of what our culture does. We're, we're scared about the unknown. In our faith walk, we cannot buy into that same trajectory of our culture of minimizing risk. If Joseph did, how would the story have played out? If Peter did, minimize risk, not say yes. If some of you did, in those moments where you know that God asked you to do something that no one else around you would choose to do. How would that have played out if you didn't do it? If you wouldn't have taken risk and sacrifice? As humanity, we don't like risk necessarily. Our society doesn't like it. Hours and hours go into risk prevention. There are careers built on minimizing risk. Going and maybe even almost gone in our culture is the encouragement to take risk, to do hard stuff, to take a step into the unknown. In this story, in this narrative, Joseph was taking a risk by taking Mary home to be his wife. Surely, there, the question in his mind, in his heart, of what would his family think? How would he explain himself? How would they go about this conversation? Uh, his family members, at least according to Scripture, didn't have any angelic messengers coming and telling them that everything's going to be okay. This is part of the story. God's doing something unique here. Even if Mary and Joseph shared this part of the story with those who they came in contact with, how skeptical are you and I? How much more are others? Joseph had to ask, what would his reputation be in his neighborhood? What would his peers think? What would those around him ask him about? Joseph knew what you and I know today. God's way asks us to risk. God's way requires risk. Following God's path is not the easy option. Sometimes we avoid it. Sometimes your pastor avoids doing what we know God is asking us to do in a moment because of what someone else might think of it. Sometimes we forget the audience we're living for and we elevate the audience of onlookers, of eyeballs, of breathing souls. And we minimize the true audience we're living for. This mustn't be. As I lead in my family, as I lead in my own life, I want to be the kind of follower of Christ that says, I know God is calling me to take a blind step of faith. To trust Him fully. In a world, in a humanity where we continue to try to take matters into our own hands, I want to choose to live my life in an opposite direction, acknowledging by my life, by my willingness to take a risk, by my willingness to sacrifice whatever it is God is asking me to do, I want that to be a testimony of God's ability in my inability. That's how I want to live my life 
Acknowledging that God's way is not always easy. But opening up the potential of God's fullest blessing. When I'm willing to step aside and put down my agenda, my plans, my blueprints of how I think things should go. Is anybody else hearing me? Do you do this? Do you have an idea of exactly what you think needs to happen in your life? What, how, the, the best plan you can see for your next six months, for your next six years, whatever it is, you know exactly how it's supposed to happen. You think if these things would just fall into line, if this would just be the way God would choose to do it, it everything would be great. We as Christians need to understand that God's way doesn't require us to have the best plan. His plan is always better. He's got access to more information. He's got access to all of us, every resource you could ever imagine. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to fall into our line. His way is better. So let's take risks. Oh, easy to say. If we're ready to meet Jesus, if we're ready to be in a relationship, if we're ready to say yes, if we're ready to live for Him, let's take risks. Let's sacrifice what He's asking us to sacrifice. I don't know where it is in your life. I don't know what it is in your life. That God is asking you. I don't know what your story is. I don't know. It's fun as your pastor to get glimpses of those moments. In conversations, both in the hallway, shaking hands, some people in my office, emails, texts. It's fun. It's difficult in some seasons and some stories to walk with, encourage, cheer, as God is doing a work that God is doing to join him on mission, to say yes, to accept the risk and sacrifice that is required of us to walk in his will and way. But it's worth it. There's no better life than a life lived in surrender to the king. Will you stand with me? There's a word that gets used in our seasonal greetings or our cards. We print them and put them on our wall. It's the word joy, J-O-Y. I want you to hear true joy is understanding how ready we are to be in relationship with Jesus. That's where joy comes from. It doesn't come, again, with lights Smells, tastes of Christmas. Yeah, we love them. Those make me happy. True joy in this season and after this season comes in being in relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you have not yet opened that present of joy and experienced relationship with Jesus, let me encourage you. There's nothing like it. Nothing else satisfied. Again, we, we have temporary joy. We have, we have things that are manufactured in this life, in this world, in the humanity that uh, try to manufacture joy and happiness for seasons. And all of that stuff fades away. All of that stuff wears out. All of that stuff runs out of batteries. All of that stuff is temporary fixes. 
the only true and lasting joy is being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And don't get me wrong. Being in a relationship with Jesus Christ does not make everything uh, clouds and rainbows. It doesn't fix everything. What it does is reminds us that we have a power that is ours every day. Even in the moments of the darkest despair, we can call out to the one who saves. Will you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, I pray this morning for the possibility of the one who's here this morning who has not yet experienced a relationship with you who would not be able to say before today that they are ready to meet Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for that one, that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would surrender their will, their way, their prerogative, their hope, their goal, their blueprint, and that they would say yes to you. For those of us who need the reminder again, that our way is not like yours. Lord, would you have your way? For those of us who take control and lead ourselves well and lead others, Lord, would you lead us? Would you help us to step aside and to trust you? Lord, I pray you would move in our midst. I pray that this day, Lord, if someone is making a decision to surrender fully to you, that they would make that known to one of us, to a family member, and that we collectively as a church will continue to walk alongside and be disciples who make disciples, walk with those. Lord, help us to live well in the tensions of life, spiritual pursuits. Help us in all things to bring you glory, I pray. May we be people, men and women, boys and girls, who are truly ready for Christmas in the presence of God in our everyday life. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.